Welcome to episode 82 of Inside Job with V and Pam. You'll be glad to hear that we're back with more wisdom from Pam Davis, Hope Warrior. This week, we're talking about how Pam's self-love journey unfolded in the beginning. We reflect on shame and the inner critic and how we cover those up and put a good face on our struggles. One thing to remember, we have all had our own experiences that have led to this point. Others can offer support and guidance, and this is, in truth, a personalized journey for each of us. Pam shares what it took for her to start to make a change and a tool she used that made a big difference. We hope you enjoy this week's conversation. Hello and welcome to Inside Job with V and Pam. We're here to share and discuss ways that we have found joy, meaning, self-love, and purpose in our life journeys. Though our lives have unique trajectories and we all have our own experiences, one truth remains constant. Change is an inside job. Our wish is to share at least one spark that lights your inner flame, helping illuminate what's true for you so that you can find your next right steps. Hey there, this is Virginia. Before we head into today's podcast, I'd like to let you know about a couple of offers from Vila Bassi Transformational Coaching. The first is a three-card oracle reading. This is a half-hour session free of charge, that will help you begin a deeper conversation with yourself. The second is a half-hour coaching session, also at no cost, if you're curious about the process and would like to try it out. You can find links for both of these opportunities in the show notes. Get a spot for yourself and be sure to share this with someone you know who might also be interested. And as always, thanks so much for your support. Let's go listen to the podcast. Also, before we jump into today's episode, I'd like to offer an apology for the background noise. This was recorded on a no school day. And while it sounds as though there was some trouble brewing in the background, I promise you that no boys playing video games were harmed in the making of this podcast. Enjoy the conversation. Hi, Pam. Hi, Virginia. Always a pleasure to be here. <laughs> I know. I'm just kind of basking in seeing you and being with you today. Yeah. Same, same. Just feeling the radiance, even through the computer screen, which amazes me still. Yeah. I know. You ready? Uh, I am ready. How are you being? I'm going to, I'm going to capsulize it into one word and that is well. And that just means in a very short way, wasn't feeling great the last few days and I'm starting to feel like I'm definitely well um, with like just maybe a 2% 
um, sort of uh, residue from not being well. But um, I'm I'm well today, and and I actually mean that in all the parts of my life. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? How are you being today? I am also being well, and thank you. I'm sorry to hear you were not well for a couple of days. That can be rough, and I am glad you are on the mend. Uh, I am practicing today staying present Mm -hmm. rather than running down the timeline to the end of the year, uh, which is a place that my mind starts to skitter to this time of year. And in the past, I have said, well, there's only a couple months left of the year, so why bother doing this or why bother getting started with that or why bother jumping into this Mm. because there's only a couple of months left. Uh, What I know to be true is that there's an opportunity every day and I am not ignoring that we are in the last quarter of the year. I am also not panicking that we are in the last quarter of the year, which is refreshing. (laughs) Yeah. The not panicking is like, that's a good place to slow down to. Yeah. It it feels like it. And um, trying some new approaches to things and focusing on being consistent. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll see how that goes. Stay tuned. (laughs) I think the good news is like, we don't have to know about how long we're going to be consistent, but like today you are, today you are doing it, you know? Yes. And that's really when I think about being consistent, it's not about, well, how long can I maintain this? How long do I have to do this? It's for today. Yeah. Because this is the, this is where we are on this day. For this day, I am going to show up. Mm. And then tomorrow, I get to choose. I believe I'm going to choose to show up again tomorrow. And I won't know that until I get there. So just continuing to show up today, whenever today is, for me is part of consistency and it's a muscle that I'm working. Uh, My tendency is to be intense right out of the gate and then to taper off or to fall off the edge. Yeah. And that is not sustainable over time. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm trying on consistency to see how it feels. And so far it feels good. (laughs) That's wonderful. I'm, I'm really thinking when you said that, I was like, yeah, that, oh, that, starting energy and then out of the gate, it, it's like a rocket ship. It just burns so much fuel. Yes. <laughs> and it's very compelling and almost seductive in a way because I can build up a good head of steam for anything yeah. and I can jump in with all four feet and I'm ready to go. And life, many aspects of life, do not require that level of intensity. What is a more sustainable approach I'm finding uh, is to keep the steam at a lower level for a longer time period rather than showing up, you know, 
all ablaze like a bonfire and then dying out because there's no more energy left. Yeah. And as we go into this sort of, you know, we're recording this in, um, in the early fall. So, um, you know, it seems like, oh, we've got some space, but we also know, oh, this is just going to kind of start to build momentum. So, yes. um, and literally it's the same amount of time as any other time of the year, but it just feels there's something yes. about a change of seasons. Yeah. Yes. I couldn't agree more. And I am recognizing that urgency and also reminding myself, this is simply a period of three more months and time is a construct. <laughs> so if I approach these three months in a way that feels productive and consistent and more organized to me, then I will feel like I have won and it doesn't matter what the calendar says. Although my ego mind would very much like to persuade me otherwise. <laughs> I know. It's like they're really, they're really 20 hour days. They're not. <laughs> right. <laughs> somehow, right. You don't somehow. have to sleep. You can get this all taken <laughs> care of and then you can sleep later. Uh, no, <laughs> that doesn't work anymore. There was a time when I believed that, but these days no more. So, as so often happens, I have been thinking about our conversation from last time and enjoyed that so much, hearing about your story of how you came to be Pam Davis Hope Warrior and, as I, as I called you, Love Warrior, yeah. um, and talking about practical self-love, about bringing it into something tangible that you can embody rather than it just being kind of this abstract phrase that people throw around right now because self-love is a kind of a buzzword. And if you don't mind, I would like to talk some more about that because I feel like it's one thing, it's one thing to talk about these concepts, but to hear you share about actually embodying self-love and putting it into practice, I feel is a way to give people a starting point because it's great to hear people talk about self-love and authenticity and being real and all these things that people talk about in the, in the world of wellness and in the world of mental health and their great ideas but again and again, I find myself asking, okay, so what? How do I yeah. do that? How do I make oh, that yeah. happen? How do I bring that into my life? They don't know me. They don't understand my daily schedule. They don't understand the laundry list of things that I have to do. How can I possibly increase my authenticity if I don't have five minutes to rub together to even catch my breath? So talking about ways to embody these more ethereal concepts, I think is really helpful if you don't mind, if you don't mind us returning to this topic. Oh, I don't mind at all. It's, <laughs> and, and, and yeah, I am still thinking about last week's conversation too. And it's, um, 
I think this is, it's one of those things that's, it's like a mystery until it's not a mystery. Yes. And, and I thought other people had the answers and I thought there might be somebody or some, a group of somebody's out there that could fix me. Um, and so you, you mentioned, you know, people that are beginning. And I think, I think the biggest leap is the beginning. I thought mm-hmm. it would be, I mean, there were hard things, but I have to say, just letting myself start was monumental. Oh, I hear and, that. Yeah. Like the resistance to it and the, um, you know, when you talk about, you know, how it's out there in the world and, and there's some wonderful work out there, um, but it's so personal and individual. And that's, I think that's the part that's, that I didn't understand. So I was looking for somebody to, you know, have the answers for me. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the truth is that we can get help and support and that makes a huge difference. And I had it, but I had to be the one to say, I'm going to go on this adventure. I'm going to start to explore this. And my thought before that was, well, this is possible for others, but not for me. So mm-hmm. how do you go on something when you, and I really wholeheartedly believe that this would never actually happen for me or it wasn't possible, but that I could see other people had something they had like, and you know, my version of it now is a piece inside a freedom inside to be. Uh, and I, I didn't have those words when I started, but I just did not have a belief that it would happen, except there was just this one tiny ounce of hope. And that's really where Hope Warrior came from. It's, there was one little tiny ounce of hope that maybe in some possible small, tiny way, a li- some change might be possible for me, but I, I wasn't banking on it for sure. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I so remember that feeling of somebody, somebody must have the answer for me because I don't possibly, I can't possibly begin to think about how to figure this out. I can't possibly have the answer. I can't possibly know this. I, 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 there has to be somebody who can tell me what to do next, who can show me where to go next, who can teach me how to feel better than I feel right now. And it's a, as you said, there are so many resources out there. One of the things I have learned um, over the past six or seven years, and I'm still learning, is that we can look to other people, other sources for guidance, for support, for ideas. And yet for each of us, it's very personalized. It's very customized. And what works for this person may not work for me. Parts of it might, right? And I won't know that, like you said, I won't know that until I try it. Um, And then I get to figure out whether it works for me or whether it doesn't. One of the things that I struggled with for a while was all these people are so intelligent and they're so well-spoken and they've written these books and they've created these resources. What's wrong with me that this isn't working for me? And that, that inner voice solidified my quote unquote brokenness. Um, 
it must be my fault that these things aren't working for me. It must be that I'm not capable, that I'm so shattered that no amount of glue could ever put me back together. And I, I think about that and I think about you saying last week, how are you speaking to yourself? And I recognize that that inner critic, that inner judge is probably the harshest voice that any of us will ever hear, far harsher than anyone who could speak to us outside of ourselves, even in the most even in the most painful interactions with other people, even in the most even in the most challenging interactions with other people, no one has ever said to me what my own inner critic has said to myself. And I am curious to know what thoughts, what ideas, what concepts helped you as you started this journey? What helped you along the way? Yeah, that's, and and thank you for sharing all that, Virginia. It's, I mean, I think there's just so many people walking around at this very minute with all those thoughts and feeling very alone in it. And, and the irony is there's so many of us that are thinking very similar thoughts. Shame and, is such an isolator, Pam. And I just remember feeling yeah. the shame of, oh, yeah. uh, I can't be fixed. I'm the only one on the planet who feels this way. I must be because all of these other people are doing it and they all look perfectly happy. What's wrong with me? And that thought was such a shameful thought to me. There was no way I could speak that to anybody else for a long time. No. And we were all also putting on a front for each other. (laughs) I'm okay. Like the word okay was just, I don't need anything. I'm okay. I'm fine. Those, that was the cycle of words because so, so the other people that were struggling thought I was doing okay and they were the only ones struggling and vice versa. Um, and I had, I had, I call this my expedition. I think I mentioned that last week because I thought it was one little step and what it took was for me to have, oh, I just want to use this word, the guts to take that one little step. And the guts means I don't know where this will lead. I don't have any real hope that this will lead to anything, but I'm still going to try. Like that's where the guts come in. It's not that, you know, like I have this enormous amount of courage. It was, I'm so tired of thinking about this. I'm so, I'm so weary from all of this. Is there anything else out there? And I want to share this quote with you because I had this quote on my desk for years before I ever even thought about going on a self-love expedition or learning to have compassion for myself or just barely liking myself. I had this quote by Ananis, I'm hoping I'm saying this right, Ananis Nin. And I, I had to read it, I'm not kidding, hundreds and hundreds of times. And I put it right in front of me, like where I saw it every day on my desk. Um, 
but it was almost like I was reading another language because there was something there for me, but I couldn't understand it. And I was very afraid of it. And, and so, um, but it was kind of the first, I, I would, if I go back, that was the first time I reached out for some kind of understanding about this, but it was so vague. I did not, I did not get it. And here's the quote and, and probably people have heard this, but, um, it means something different to me now. And the time came when the risk to remain tight in a bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. <sighs> yeah. You know, there's, I spent all this time beating myself up, thinking I was keeping myself safe from people finding out who I really am and how terrible I am. And so I thought that um, being tight in that bud, nobody could really see me. Nobody would, could really know me. And so I thought that was my answer and that's how I lived my life. And there was, so I read this over and over and over again. And at some point I realized I'm in a lot of pain from remaining in that bud. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's where the guts came in. Like, I don't think there's any possibility that this is going to work for me, but I'm going to dip literally one toe in and just see what happens. Mm-hmm. And that was my most magnificent leap right there. Taking that step in when I had no real hope except 1%, literally right. 1% of hope. And that's all I really needed. Um, and you talked about the inner critic and that for me was such a game changer. And I, and anybody that I work with, um, language is a big part of this. And we, we usually, uh, this is usually very universal for people that it's, it's one of the, you know, if there was a checklist, how do you know you, you don't like yourself? How do you know you hate yourself? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the way you speak to yourself would be number one on the list for sure. Right. Um, and so that's kind of, that's where I started, but I needed help even to tackle that. I really did. And it, what happened for me is there came what I, what I will now call my road buddies. Like I needed support. I didn't know what that meant. If it meant like a person, a coach, a therapist, a group, a book, a, I didn't know what it meant, but I know that I needed to help myself as I went through this, because as painful as this is, um, and as, you know, kind of wonderful it is at times when you have these little aha moments. Um, nobody could do this for me. I had to do it. I could get help, but I had to be the one that was really leading this whole thing. And um, and so I started to gather what I will call some road buddies. And, and I don't actually mean people at this point <laughs> because I didn't know what was, ha- I didn't really know what I was doing or what was happening. It was, it was just happening. And it was after that I started to figure out what was happening. Oh, I'm actually learning to love myself. (laughs) And so my road buddies were first gentleness. And that is something that I am with other people. I have Mm -hmm. a calm sort of presence Uh, and I meet people where they're at. And so um, my best example of this really is I absolutely love kids of all ages. And um, 
I have patience for toddlers. Now, I never had a toddler. So I'm talking, you know, in the way of when you, you are somewhere and someone's having a meltdown, I'm like, ah, that they're having a really hard time and they're doing their best. Mm-hmm. And other people are like, get, make that kid shut up. Right. I think, you know, I would, I, I have so much compassion for that little one and the mom and the parents and the, and whoever's around, you know, like that are caretaking them. Uh, and so it, it really, it really was this innate thing in me, this gentleness where, um, you know, no one would describe me as someone that uh, was like going to just put the hammer down. I'm, I'm like, let's start with gentleness. So what I realized is that that thing that I gave to others, I also could use with myself. Mm-hmm. And that was really like a turning point. Like I thought I had to be really hard on myself all those years. Right. But in, in reality, what I needed was gentleness and nurture and love and support mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. non-judgment. <laughs> like, like, like with the toddler, like I'm not judging, like, you know, you didn't make a good choice today. And so it, it was really like, oh, they're doing their best. They're absolutely doing their best. And so gentleness was like the first thing that I brought in. And I would love to hear your take on, on gentleness and kind of how that, how that plays a part with, with you and in your understanding of self-love. Similar to what you shared, it's always been far easier for me to be gentle with others than with myself and learning to be gentle, learning to offer compassion um, is something that has only come to me in a relatively short period of time. I'd say probably within the last five years. Um, And I think I learned that pattern. I think I learned that pattern just as part of my upbringing, that it was always modeled for me to be kind to others, to be gentle with others, um, and to judge oneself. You know, you have to do better. You have to be at the top. You have to, and not necessarily at the top of, not over anybody else, but it was a, it's a streak of perfectionism um, that is actually, I think it's actually a defense mechanism um, and a form of self-protection that, that constant striving for something that's unrealistic and frankly impossible. Um, And I learned that I must have learned it growing up because it's something that followed me into my teenage years, into my young adult years, even into my middle adult years. Um, And gentleness is the exact opposite of every aspect of perfectionism. So recognizing that I could offer that to myself and that it didn't mean I was 
being a slacker. It didn't mean I was, you know, sitting back and being lazy or uh, giving myself a break. That actually giving myself a break is a good thing. It's beneficial and it pays itself forward in all my interactions and everything that I do. Um, It's a practice. And it's something that I still find I bump up against, especially when I'm tired or when I am otherwise low-resourced, if I'm not taking good care of myself. It, that that uh, perfectionism and that inner critic still are right there, ready to jump in. So it is definitely a, a practice that I sometimes have to give conscious effort to in order to be gentle with myself. Thanks mm-hmm. for asking. Oh, gosh. Well, first of all, thank you for sharing that. And you brought out a really big point, which is the word opposite. I had to do everything the opposite way of how I was doing it. Mm -hmm. And that actually started to become very clear to me down the road. But you are right. I was harsh and I needed to be gentle. I did not the, the harshness, I would never do that to other people. It, it, would, it, would, it would feel like it was cruel. And yet I was the most vicious to myself. And, and you said it earlier, like, yes, people could hurt my feelings and, and people that, that knew me could say something that was the exact cutting thing, but no one could cut me the way I cut myself. No one knew those thoughts I had in my head or the things that I was most insecure about the way I did. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, this idea of gentleness never occurred to me ex- until it did. <laughs> and, then, and then what came to me was, what if I treated myself the way I treat other people? Mm-hmm. And, and it was almost like this little, well, and, and you said it like, am I, you know, am I, uh, given myself too much of a break, you know, the, the truth is we all function better with love and support versus, um, you know, harshness and uh, impatience. And so uh, it, it, it felt slow and painful at first, I have to say, and it, and it truthfully, v, it's, it felt artificial because yes. I didn't feel that. What I felt was you just have to do better and, um, you know, you're not doing enough. You are not enough, all of that. But the, but the, but the, there was something happening with the gentleness that started to work in very small ways. And it, what a big thing that it did is my, sometimes when I was so brutal to myself, my, I'm going to call it my downtime where I would just be so kind of not able to function well. And I was going through the motions of life, certainly showing up most of the time, but I would also like make excuses for things. And I was just isolating. Let's say Uh say it that way. I was isolating in a lot of ways anytime because I had very little energy after I would do this. And it was so constant that I would just find myself, you know, sort of laid out on the floor, almost metaphorically, but uh, where I just was like, I have to recover from this. Right. And when I started to be slightly gentle to myself and talk to myself slightly differently, 
I found that I had less of those downtimes. I had less of those reactions because I was, I was actually allowing myself to be human. And yeah. there was, you know, it, it, it was fake at first to me and I'll say fake, but I mean, it was like, all right, you didn't totally mess up Pam. Like it's, it's okay. Like, and, and so it was, you know, it wasn't the most loving talk at first, but literally it was very loving to me compared to what I used to say to myself. Yes. So um, all of this is so incremental. It's so one little step doesn't feel like it makes a difference, but it's cumulative. And at some point I started to realize that I was almost naturally starting to be gentle with myself and I actually meant it. Um, and yeah. in a fairly short time, I, what I mean is not years, uh, you know, but even in a few months, I started to feel lighter. Mm -hmm. and, and so this idea of gentleness, as I started to uncover like who I really am, it, it was a game changer for me. Yeah. Mm. It sounds like one of those before and after stories. It's not any one specific event, but at the same time, it is a shift, a deep shift that happened within you that allowed you to start giving yourself this gentleness, this grace, this compassion. I know there's so much more here <laughs> and I would really love to come back to this next time we're together, if that's okay with you, because I think there's a lot more for people to, to hear from this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have, there, there is more and I would love that. Um, for me, I had to look at self-love, self, self-compassion, self um, self-acceptance in a very practical way. I mm -hmm. really couldn't do the fluff. The fluff mm -hmm. was so far away from me. And when I say fluff, I mean the things that are more generic. I had to really do it from such a deep, organic, individual place that, um, you know, it, it really keeps evolving in the best mm -hmm. way possible. And mm -hmm. so um, I really like to make self-love practical. That's just part of who I am. And, and that's how I found what worked for me. I already can't wait <laughs> <laughs> to continue this next Aww. time. Well, thank you. Great to see you again, B. Pam, thank you so much. This, I feel like this is going to be so helpful for whoever needs to hear it. Thank you so much for sharing this and for your openness and for, um, for doing the work that you do. Our world needs you. And I'm looking forward to hearing more about this. Thank you. I'll see you soon. You sure will. Take good care. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening today. To share your comments, your questions, your ideas, and to reach Pam directly, please email coachpamdavis at gmail.com. If you'd like to find out more about Virginia's work, please visit her website, www. 
www.vlbassi.com. We look forward to joining you again next week. And remember, change is an inside job.